Hey, Tourpreneurs, it's Mitch Bach. And just a quick note before we begin today's episode, Tourpreneur is currently sponsored by Google. We're thankful for their support of our community, and we are offering with them a completely free course helping you unlock the power and potential of Google's Things to Do program, which is specifically helping tour operators add their tours to Google in new ways that gives you new exposure and more direct bookings. To learn more, go to tourpreneur.com slash Google. And as always, show notes, more resources, links to our newsletter, our business coaching community, and so much more are available on tourpreneur.com. Now to the episode. You're listening to Arrival Audio recorded live at Arrival Bangkok 2019 and distributed here by Tourpreneur. Representing some $150 billion in spend from nearly 200 million travelers across Asia, the Middle East, Europe, and beyond, the Muslim traveler marketplace is large and rapidly growing. But the needs and expectations of this segment are distinct. This session by Fazal Bahardin of Crescent Rating will walk through the essentials of this important market and cover how operators of tourist activities and attractions can best serve this traveler group. That's what I'm going to talk about, Muslim travel market. Um, sometimes they're also called, sometimes, you know, you see in the, in the media, it's also called halal travel, uh, Islamic travel, and different names. And that creates a problem. What comes to your mind when you see these terms, Islam, halal, Muslim? I'm sure this comes to your mind, obviously. Today, today, basically, these terms are sort of, the narrative of these terms are dominated by two groups of people. You have on one side these sort of lunatics, and you have this industry on the other side. And that creates a problem for businesses, right? So you sort of see, look, should I really look, want to look at this segment? You know, so many issues, so many things going on. But the reality is, you know, there are about 1.8 billion people last year, on the last count. That's about 23, 24% of the world's population. By 2030, there'll be 2.2 billion. That's about 26, 27% of the world's population. And if that's not enough, for, especially for the travel industry, more than 50% of them are under the age of 30, according to Pew Research. So if you're looking for the next millennial market, that's where they are. And since we are sitting in Bangkok, 1.3 billion of them are in Asia, about four or five hours flight from Bangkok, possibly. When it comes to travel, our projections are by 2026, they'll spend about $300 billion in travel expenditure. That's going to be at least around 11% of the, the global travel expenditure. Um, and that's, you know, a lot of people think Muslims actually travel mainly for, you know, religious travel to Saudi Arabia. But actually that travel is less than 8% of the total expenditure of 300 billion. Almost 80, 85% is on leisure. And as I said, there are younger population. Almost one third of that expenditure actually will come from the younger population. That's the projection that we made for 2026. Actually, there's a report that we published on the Muslim millennial travelers a couple of years ago with these numbers. 
What are their travels? So I'm going to talk a little bit about their travel, uh, you know, some of the things that you need to take care of uh, when they travel and, and you know, catering to them. So what are their motivations and inspirations? Have you seen this sometimes in the papers? So, so sort of you see them in tweets and some articles as if you know, Muslims are coming, they're going to invade your beaches, you know, they're going to spray all the time in your beaches, you know, be careful. Um, in reality, they're just another segment like anybody else, right? Uh, they are, they, are, uh, they are coming to explore like anybody else, your culture, your uh, food, experiences. That's what they are, they are for. They're not uh, going to spend all the time in the beach praying five times a day or, or all the time praying in the beach. But that's what some of those uh, uh, you know, headlines try to, <laughs> try to create a fear factor. The only difference is that they, they still want to preserve their basic values and keep their identity, which sometimes becomes difficult these days. So, what are their basic requirements, which I think it's important, especially, I mean, especially we are talking a lot about activities and, and there are a lot of talk about the food and all that, so food is such an important factor. So we, we actually published these models in 2009, you know, what are the basic faith-based needs of Muslim travelers uh, in order to help the industry, we sort of categorize them into need to have, good to have, nice to have, so that you know what's most important and what's less important. What we did this year was, you know, it was almost 10 years ago that we published this and we have been using this the last 10 years. We said, look, we need to relook at it. So we actually ran a, a very extensive survey and, and research and all that, and we wanted to see how, whether it has changed, and it has changed a bit. So I'm going to so we published this uh, in, uh, sometime in April with our new report that we published in, uh, with MasterCard. Um, where there are some changes. So one is that, so let me go back. So wait, let me go back a bit. So need to have, uh, we, we, as I said, we, we, when we started in 2009, we, we identified two things, halal food and prayer facilities. I'm going to talk about that in a little while. Uh, and then we had good to have and nice to have, and water-friendly washrooms was in the category of good to have. So when we did the survey, overwhelmingly they said, no, that's something that we really want to have uh, when we travel. And there were other new things. I'm not going to talk a lot about that. So there were social causes, no Islamophobia, local Muslim experiences. I'm going to focus basically on these three things uh, for the next few minutes. Before I do that, um, so where are these requirements required? I mean, across the whole value, whole journey. And in our case, I think all of you are in that, that area in destination services. Um, before I do that, a disclaimer. All Muslims are not the same. So I, when I keep talking about the Muslim market, they're all asking me, no, but you know, I saw this Muslim. He was not behaving like the way that you told. <laughs> yes. So we said, okay, let's segment it, segment them. There are strictly practicing, there's practicing, and we started with saying non-practicing, and we got into trouble, so we changed to less practicing. So that's, uh, otherwise some Muslims said, oh, no, no, everybody's practicing, but less practicing. So that's uh, the disclaimers, not, not everybody sort of adheres to exactly what I'm going to tell you, but vast majority are looking for those kind of services. So let's look at halal food. Um, 
halal foods. There are two things on halal food. One is assurance. I think there are a lot of activities that you talked about in terms of food. So one is assurance. How do you assure halal? I think that's probably the most important thing, and it depends on the different, as I strictly practicing or practicing Muslims. Some people would really require that you have a certificate, the, you know, um, uh, given by a local authority that the food is halal, or some people would like to your assurance that it is halal. So that's, that's all about assurance. And then there's the whole thing about alcohol. So Muslims are not supposed to drink alcohol. Uh, however, some may, but anyway, most Muslims uh, would, when they travel, still dine in a place that they serve alcohol, but some Muslims will not actually dine in a place that, that they serve alcohol. So those are the two things that you need to talk about. I see my clock running down faster than I thought, so I need to speed up. Oh, the second thing is prayer facilities. So prayer facilities, two things you probably need to, to look at, private space. Muslims don't need private space to pray. They can pray anywhere you want, but these days when you pray in a public place, uh, the next thing you might know is uh, security tapping on your shoulder saying what you're doing. So, uh, so you have to be careful. So we prefer to pray in private these days. And the second thing is about ablution. So people, Muslims need to, to take ablution before they pray, which requires water-friendly washrooms. And there's one thing that Muslims do before they pray. As I said, they wash face and all that, but they also need to wash their feet. So if you don't have a foot washing thing, Muslims are supposed to be gymnasts then. You have to put your feet on top of a sink to wash your feet, which is not very convenient. So if you really want to take care of that, you need to have something like this. And of course, Muslims also use water when they go to the toilet. So if you see in Asia and even in this hotel, you see these kind of fittings in the washroom, in the toilets. So my last chart. Um, so I think one is to provide those services if you really want to cater to the Muslim market uh, you know, in, the, in the experiences that you're developing. But most importantly, I think that's what's lacking. I think most importantly is that you know, it needs to be visible during the discovery and booking phase. You, know, you can have all the nice services and facilities in your, in your, in your, in your activities and all that, but if it's not discoverable, it's not available to be seen in the discovery and booking phase, they won't know. So I think it's important that you make somehow uh, visible in the booking phase. And also Muslims do actually, more than others, if they see some Muslim-friendly service or facility, they do share with others. So try and incentivize them to share with others whatever uh, you, you're providing. And I think that brings me to my last chat. Thank you very much. Fazal, I just one question before you you exit the stage. Uh, so you talked about not all Muslim travelers are the same. I, so I'm also going to assume that all Muslims around the world are not the same. Uh, so we have uh, we have the uh, the markets in the Middle East, obviously, especially in Southeast Asia with Malaysia and Indonesia, of course, South Asia. And then we have uh, enormous uh, Muslim populations in North America and Europe. Uh, so can you just walk us through a little bit, especially for operators based in, in Asia, what, are my, what should I be thinking about in terms of you know, prioritization if I'm interested in this market or perhaps if I'm focused on selling into or I want to move into the Indonesian market or the Malaysian market? How should I just think about that diaspora 
and prioritize uh, the different uh, kind of the Muslim population from a geographic perspective? I think definitely there are differences. I mean, there's a distinct difference between how halal conscious, as you as you may say, of populations which are minority Muslim populations versus majority countries. There's a whole theory around that. I'm not going to go on, on that path right now. But, you know, but however, you know, whether they are coming from the Middle East or US or UK or Singapore, I think what I showed you on halal food, I think it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's everybody shares those kind of requirements. It's about you have some differences between how, how much the level of assurance that some markets want in terms of halal food or not, and some markets probably, you know, you know, if you say it's halal and if you give them some level of verbal assurance, they, might, they may be okay. And, and that differs from country to country. Um, I, think, uh, I think that's probably the, the, the biggest difference. But of course, you really have to take care of, you know, uh, if you want to, you know, uh, a Middle Eastern market, you know, who comes to uh, Thailand may not be interested in a mosque tour, for instance. They, they have enough, you know, thousand-year-old mosques. Uh, uh, so, I mean, there are nuances like that. But in general, when it comes to faith-based needs, as I said, need to have is something across the board. You, you really need to take care of uh, the two most important needs for me are the food uh, and, the, and the prayer, prayer facilities. Food is probably the single most important thing. I mean, you don't want to have a traveler come to a city and spend two hours trying to find where to eat because then you're, you lost the, the opportunity to make money out of them. Ladies and gentlemen, Fazal Bahardin, Crescent Rating. We hope you enjoyed this session from Arrival, the only event dedicated to creators and sellers of tours, activities, and attractions. Head to ArrivalEvent.com to register for upcoming conferences around the globe. And for insights into the in-destination industry, head to Arrival.travel.